Hello and welcome back to Sense and Spirituality. My name is Sheila McGregor and it is good to be back with you after a two-week break. This week we focus on Chapter 5 of Diana Butler Bass's book, Freeing Jesus, where she talks about Jesus as the way. I love the way Diana weaves her own story together with that of the story of Jesus. It is a wonderful example of autobiography as theology, or theology as autobiography. I think it is something we all must do. As Christians, we must ask how the story of Jesus of Nazareth connects with our own personal story. In one sense, we may say that all theology is autobiography. In this chapter, Diana discusses some of the trauma and deep pain she has endured in life, and in particular, how she suffered as a young woman in a church that demeaned her because of her gender, as well as a theology that focused almost exclusively on the depravity of humanity. Suffocated by a belief system that left her feeling worthless and unlovable, and a marriage in which she felt like a caged animal, she grew increasingly depressed and melancholy. Much of this book is not only about freeing Jesus, but also about freeing herself from a religion that had become confining and restrictive and oppressive, not to mention desperately unhappy. And this in spite of the fact that Jesus says more than once, I have come that my joy may be in you, and so that your joy may be complete. How is it that down through the centuries, we have tended to focus on the wrath of God rather than on the joy God wants to give us? How did we come to concentrate only on rules which divide and keep people apart, even to the point of caging them in, when Jesus had only one rule for life, love one another as I have loved you. Like her previous chapters, this chapter is rich with topics for discussion. So today I limit myself to Jesus' words in John's gospel. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14 verse 6. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus invites people to follow him, to walk with him, to journey with him on the way. In the ancient world, all kinds of teachers invited people to follow them and walk in their way. It was therefore not uncommon for people to attach themselves to a rabbi, a Jewish teacher, to learn their way. In the Gospel of John, however, Jesus ups the theological ante. He not only teaches people to follow him, but he announces that he is the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. It is a beautiful scripture that brings us comfort and peace. That is, until we get to the next line, no one comes to the Father except through me. All of a sudden, Jesus, the very one who sought to break down all barriers that divide God's people, is now erecting fences where some people are in and some people are out. What is Jesus up to? I don't know about you, but I have a long and complicated relationship with today's gospel lesson. From my earliest days in elementary school, I was blessed to have had close friends 
who came from the Jewish faith. But my Sunday school teacher told me that only people who believed in Jesus would go to heaven. How could it happen that my dear friends, Vicki and Terry and Anita, would not go to heaven? If Jesus loved everyone, why would he want to harm or exclude my dearest friends? And now, of course, I have a wonderful Muslim daughter-in-law who prays several times every day, who reveres Jesus and his parents, Mary and Joseph. Wouldn't Jesus love Nazarene too? I think he would. And I think he would love my friends, Vicky and Terry and Anita. So what do we do with this verse? No one comes to the Father except through me. As Diana notes, this is what is sometimes called a clobber verse. For example, maybe you have also wondered whether your non-Christian friends, Jews, Buddhists, Muslims, Sikhs, and people from other religions will make it into heaven. Or more likely, you have asked how it is even possible to think that your secular or atheist friends and family could be rejected by God. Theologian Carl Gregg puts it in this way. If you have, no doubt, some concerned Christian friend has reached into their back pocket to pull out a clobber text. It might have gone something like this. The Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The citing of this verse is often meant to signal that the discussion is ended, case closed. That's a clobber text. Yet if we consider this text in light of what we know about Jesus, it does not ring true. Wherever Jesus went, whatever he did, whatever he said, it was all about including people who did not fit into the orthodox faith or correct religious or socioeconomic categories. Think about it. Jesus included outcasts and sinners. He included women and children. Remember, both women and children were regarded as second-class citizens back then. Jesus had a special affection and regard for both. He included those who suffered from leprosy and other illnesses that were regarded as taboo in his day. He included prostitutes and tax collectors, people whom the religious authorities rejected outright. He befriended them. He ate with them. He treated them as equals. He invited them to follow him. He didn't say, believe this or don't believe that. He was the most affirming, welcoming, inclusive person who has ever lived. So whatever this verse is about, it is not about excluding people based on their religious beliefs. Because Jesus, the quintessential boundary breaker, is the one who transgresses all humanly made barriers of separation. In his house, there are so many rooms that no one ever gets turned away. Secondly, only four chapters prior to this clobber text in this same gospel, Jesus, the good shepherd, openly acknowledges that he has other sheep and other folds who do not know his name. In John 10, verse 16, he says, I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Other sheep? Other folds? Is Jesus hinting that other religions and philosophies will also be redeemed? It certainly sounds like it. 
On the other hand, when Jesus in John's gospel says that no one comes to the Father except through him, maybe what we are really dealing with is the language of faith and love. Greg quotes Christian theologian Wesley Ariaja, who explains it this way, and I quote, when my daughter tells me I'm the best daddy in the world and there can be no other father like me, she is speaking the truth. For this comes out of her experience. She is honest about it. She knows no other person in the role of her father. But of course, it is not true in another sense. For one thing, I myself know friends who I think are better fathers than I am. Even more importantly, one should be aware that in the next house, there is another little girl who also thinks her daddy is the best father in the world. And she too is right. In fact, as the level of the way the two children relate to their two fathers, no one can compare the truth content of the statements of the two girls. For here we are not dealing with the absolute truths, but with the language of faith and love. Well, the language of the Bible is also the language of faith. The problem begins when we take these confessions in the language of faith and love and turn them into absolute truth that shuts some people out of God's kingdom. This insight brings me back to Thomas's question and Jesus' answer. Jesus begins chapter 14 by saying, Do not let your hearts be troubled. This is the language of love, of concern, of caring. These are the words a parent might say to a child when leaving him at the door of the kindergarten classroom the first day of school. Don't be worried. You will be fine. I will see you later. These are words that I have said to my own children when they, had, when they have gone off to another city or even another country to attend college or university for the first time or to take a new job. Don't be troubled. You will be okay. We'll see you soon. It is the language that a dying parent or partner or close friend might say to the ones they are leaving behind. Don't be anxious. In a little while, I will see you again. You can get through this. With God's help and the help of family and friends, you can do this. Just continue to practice all the things I have taught you. Continue to follow the way I showed you how to live, and you will be fine. Moreover, it was also at this time that Jesus reminded Thomas and the others that he would always be with them through the power and the presence of the Spirit. At this point, Diana cites the work of Jewish New Testament scholar Amy Chilavine, whose writings we have often studied at Siloam. She notes that the seemingly judgmental phrase, no one comes to the Father, is not the last word. As Levine writes, and I quote, except is like a window that lets light into a closed room. It fits what the gospel says about Christ coming as light into a world of darkness and serving as the door that enables people to enter God's sheepfold. Rather than restricting access to God, the word accept creates access to God. In commenting on what Levine has written, Diana makes the following important observation, and I quote, There would be no way except that the love of God has made a way. 
God would be distant, unavailable, separated from us, except for love. We would be all alone. There would be much to fear, except for the way, the way that is wide open to those who trust. Invitation, not exclusion. Unquote. So again, part of what Jesus was doing in this scripture was to help the disciples to see that they did not need to cower in terror behind locked doors. There was nothing to fear. So he turned to Thomas and basically said, don't worry, Thomas, you know me. When I'm gone, just continue to do the works that I do. Follow the path I have set forth with my life and you'll be following the way. Thus, in saying this, Jesus was addressing a distressed and fearful disciple and trying to comfort him. He wasn't talking about people of other religions. The tragedy is that we humans have sought to limit God's love. John 14, verse 6 has a dreadful history. When Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, he was not setting up boundaries to keep people out of the kingdom of God. He was not saying my father's house has just a few reserved rooms. So, you know, get your act together and make your reservation before all the rooms are gone. No, he was saying the way I have taught you is the way you must practice for it will sustain you when I am no longer with you. I remember reading something a Hindu scholar once wrote a devout and faithful practitioner of Hinduism, he said that he completely agreed with John 14, verse 6, that Jesus was indeed the way, the truth, and the life. He then went on to say, I have great admiration for the way Jesus lived his life and the truth he taught. The way of Jesus, love and compassion for others, especially the most vulnerable, sacrificing oneself for the sake of a better, kinder, and more just world, caring for the sick and the poor, the shunned and the ostracized. This, he believed, was the path to true happiness and meaning in life, and the way to salvation. Indigenous peoples have also understood the way of Jesus, even long before they knew his name or were introduced to Christianity. Indigenous Christian theologian George E. Tinker says that the way of love and sacrifice and justice and compassion and peace, the way taught by Jesus is a way that Indigenous peoples can accept and which many practice, since it is indeed the way that leads to a life lived in harmony with all creation. Indeed, as Tinker notes, the Plains Indians would define the way as the red road, the good way, the way of life. Tinker's exegesis of Acts chapter 4 verse 12 is insightful. This is the story of the apostles healing a lame man. You will recall that they proclaim that the healing they do is in Jesus' name and that there is no other name under heaven given by which we must be saved. Does this mean that there is no healing and no salvation outside of the person of Jesus? This is certainly what the Christian missionaries taught indigenous peoples. It is the belief which many Christians today continue to hold. But as Tinker reminds us, the name of Jesus contains the meaning God saves or God heals. Looked at this way, the meaning of the text is clear. As he writes, and I quote, The focus suddenly is not on Jesus at all, but on God. Jesus is not identified here as the only source of salvation or as the only Savior. 
rather God is identified as the only ultimate source of healing, a meaning embedded in the name of Jesus itself. Perhaps this is another way of saying, to quote Indigenous theologian Randy S. Woodley, that there is no place we can ever go where Jesus is not already present and active. I like what theologian Houston Smith once said, God is defined by Jesus, not confined to Jesus. What this means is that I can be assured that my dear childhood friends, Vicki and Terry and Anita, are eternally loved by God, and that my lovely new daughter-in-law, Nezreen, is also held close within God's loving embrace. Moreover, what this means is that you and I can affirm the validity of other religious traditions without abandoning the truth of our own Christian faith. More importantly, we can proclaim the Jesus way of loving God and neighbor. Let me close with a modern day parable which I shared with our congregation a few weeks ago. I think it sums up Jesus' message and ministry perfectly. Once there was an off-Broadway play called The Construction. The play opens with a group of people who are gathered in a kind of otherworldly place. The actors don't know where they are or how they got there, or more importantly, what they're supposed to do. Where are we, they ask, and why are we in this place? What's the purpose here? What are we supposed to do? In the midst of these unanswered questions, somebody notices that on stage is a lot of building materials. So they conclude that they were brought to this particular place to build something, although nobody knows what. Somebody suggests a swimming pool, another clubhouse. But as they're discussing this, someone hears a sound in a distance, the sound of other people. After listening a while, they exclaim, we don't know who they are or what they want. Someone cries out, we can't afford to take chances. We should protect ourselves. So they decide that this construction material is obviously meant for them to build a wall to protect themselves from those strangers. In fact, the more they discuss it, the more they become convinced that they must build a wall. After they work on the wall for some time, and indeed it turns out to be quite formidable, they look up and see a stranger headed their way. The stranger tells them he is a builder. Not only that, but he is carrying the plans in his hands. And the stranger looks at the wall, tells them they got it all wrong. As he spreads the plans out, he says, See, you're not supposed to build a wall around yourselves. You're supposed to build a bridge to other people and invite them in. The point is that Jesus calls us not to erect walls and barriers that keep other people out, but rather that we are to follow his example of inclusivity, affirmation, and love. In other words, we are to practice the Jesus way, the way of love. That's it for this week, friends. I would love to hear your feedback on these thoughts, especially your response to Diana's understanding of Jesus as way. Next week, we read the final and sixth chapter of Diana's book and consider her interpretation of Jesus as presence. In the meantime, if you are in the area, I hope you will plan to attend 
our Pride Sunday worship service at 10.30 a.m. on June 4th, when Siloam will be receiving its certificate from Affirm United, acknowledging the congregation's commitment to live into becoming an affirming congregation, where all people are cherished and affirmed. You can also watch it live through live streaming or on Rogers TV. This is an historic moment for our congregation, and we hope you will plan to be there to help us celebrate. See you next week. Bye for now. Thank you.